Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, we journey beyond the binary with Cynthia Sweeney, author of The Pink Balloon. Plus, Biz faces hard choices. Woo! So, my daughter doesn't know what a chicken sounds like. Uh, she's five and a half, very, very bright young lady. But um, you know that show Rest of Development? And you know how they have this running joke that's, that they make the wrong sounds whenever they're calling someone chicken. They like go chicha, chicha, or woo-woo, or whatever, whatever chicken sound that is incorrect. They make it. Well, we do that around my house, making incorrect chicken sounds. My daughter has apparently picked it up and now makes incorrect chicken sounds. With usually like the the head waddle and like a jumping back and forth on her feet to imply a chicken, and you know what? I don't have the heart to correct her because I, I love it. I love that she is inadvertently quoting one of my favorite TV shows. So that's all. You're doing a good job. Hope that uh, everything's going great. <laughs> bye bye. You're doing a great job. First, can we all sit here in the glory of this not being something? you considered a fail, right? Like this, I was like, is this a fail? But no, we've reached a new place where we've decided that our children not knowing chicken sounds can be delightful for us, right? Like it's not a fail. I'm sorry I even said the word fail around this because it's beautiful. And I'm with you. There's lots of things uh, we never corrected the kids about. And... (laughs) And what they said. They figured it out, uh, you know, and not all figuring out came through humiliating moments in public. So that was good. And I, I really stand behind any choice that makes the experience of parenting like more bearable for you. And if this is, if like being reminded of your favorite TV show or just seeing your child not make a correct chicken noise brings that joy to you, I am 100% behind it. I love this. In fact, I want to know how long we can go. Can we go all the way to college with this? This is, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to think, when are we asked about chickens? Not a lot. We're not asked about chickens a lot. You could always say, oh, that's the noise that Swedish chickens make. That's what, (laughs) because they do, because the Swedish rooster says, which it it is like a cockadoodle. It's probably more accurate than cockadoodle do. I don't know. I'm not around roosters. No one's ever asked me. You are doing a wonderful job. Thank you for checking in. Speaking of thank yous, it's time for thank yous. Guys, this pandemic is never going to <laughs> never going to fucking end. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice to have one thing we can all 
be really sure about. <laughs> so with that said, thank you, teachers. And I'm going to give a special shout out, teacher-wise, to preschool and daycare and kinder teachers because you are uh, with kids that cannot get vaccinated at this point in time. And for you and your students and their parents, this is essentially a completely non-changed world since this thing started. That you you have all the same limitations, all the same, like you, it is a super shitty bubble that you're in. Like it's barely a bubble. It's like if you're trying to blow a bubble with like Trident gum or like Big Red and you really need Hubba Bubba or like Big League Chew to blow that bubble, that you are in a very bad bubble. And everybody else kind of gets to go traipsing along with vaccinations and maybe just having to step out of school for a shorter period of time. And you're, I'm sorry, I just see you. I really see you. And I know you've got kids of your own and family of your own and parents of your own that you may be caring for. And I, I just thank you. I recognize that nothing has really changed. I also want to say thank you to everybody in the medical industry. All of you, everybody, everybody, the the supporting cast especially, and looking at you, all the people, the intake nurses, the people who are working to get rid of, you know, uh, bio waste. You know, the red thing with the, you got it. That's, that's a job that deserves thank you long before the pandemic. Yikes. Thank you for the people who are keeping our doctor's offices, ERs, hospitals, clinics, all of the places clean so that it is a safe environment for us to go into and dirty up all over again. And thank you, nurses. That really sucks. I'm really sorry. You're working nonstop. And I... I don't know how we're going to come out of all of this, but I I hope we come out of it in a way that celebrates you all the more. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you to volunteers. That is just remarkable work that you're doing, be it food banks, be it helping the homeless, be it working in shelters, being those who work with women's groups and children's groups and LGBTQ groups, just thank you for using that spare time that you have, not that it's really spare, to help those who are in positions to not be able to help themselves as well as they would like. Thank you. I see all of you and I really appreciate you. Last group that I want to say thank you to today are veterinarians. Animals get COVID. I don't know a lot about that. So I'm not going to talk in detail about COVID affecting animals. But animals still need things. And you are a branch of the medical industry that I think largely goes ignored. And you are making it work so that we can bring our animals to you for care during this time. Because if you are a pet owner... You know how much those pets have helped you get through this pandemic. 
And I really appreciate the work that you are doing, Vets, which ties into what I'm going to talk about today. You know, I have three cats. If you've been listening to the shows, might as well be one bad cat owner. That is like, I talk about the cats all the time. There's B, who is just a porch lady. She's just an old lady who doesn't like anybody. I mean, she likes us, but she, she's not a lap cat. She never will sit in your lap, but she will sit next to you. And she hates all other animals in this house. Then there is Onion, who is one-eyed, smelly cat who we love very much and who is uh who does not have a lot of time left with us and we had to have some hard conversations over the week with the kids and with Stefan who would really rather not acknowledge a death and that is fair that is fair but uh, that will be a decision that I will need to make uh, sooner rather than later But in the meantime, we are just giving Onion all the love. And Onion can be as stinky and as poopy and as accidenty as Onion needs to be on me. That is why I have a washing machine and I can shower. And finally, there is Steve, a big boy Steve, who just last night, I was like, I haven't seen Steve all day. This is weird. Where is Steve? Steve is usually out and about. And then I found him under the bed, and he was clearly hiding and clearly miserable and clearly all the things that as a person who has had cats my whole life recognizes as a bad sign. We got him into the cat hospital this morning, and it turns out he has a very bad urinary tract infection and a mucus plug in his penis. This is horrible news. And he has to stay there for like 24 hours and up to two days. And I am very thankful that we caught it and that we took him in. And I am incredibly thankful to everyone at the animal hospital because they clearly liked Steve because they said that he was a robust boy, which is very nice. I said, did they, Stefan, did they say anything about his weight? They just said he was a lovely, robust boy. I said, well, that's good. So uh, it's just been kind of a shitty couple of days around here. And I am grateful for all of you who work with animals. Thank you. And, you know, I'll keep you guys updated on how things are going. It's a journey. It is a journey. Which is an incredibly weird segue into what we're going to talk about today, which is journeying beyond the binary with Cynthia Sweeney, the author of The Pink Balloon, as well as an incredible advocate for the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with her. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Biz and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, we are talking to Cynthia Sweeney, who is the author of the inclusive children's book, The Pink Balloon, as well as the co-host of the podcast, Hey Sis, and (laughs) I 
God, just love that. Anyway, which is a beyond binary journey into being a better human. She is also the founder of Simply Good Form, Inc., the Canadian consultancy for beyond binary thinking based in, I'm just going to say Halifax, Nova Scotia. I will let Cynthia say the more official name of where this is located. Blah, blah, blah. Big mistakes everywhere. Welcome, Cynthia. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on the show. It's what I said. Please pronounce the Canadian town in which Simply Good Form is is located. <laughs> yeah. So Halifax, Nova Scotia is based in its Kapuktuk, which Ooh. is the Mi'kma'ki word. So we're on the um, ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for clearing that up. Also, I would like everyone to know that I was 90% there in pronouncing that when I was practicing it before the show. But I am so glad that you were here (laughs) as somebody who has practiced it more than me. Thank you so much. Before we get into everything that we would like to get into today, I would like to know who lives in your house? Uh Aha. Well, that has, uh, it's, (laughs) (laughs) this is always the most fun question. (laughs) It is. It is. Um, So at the moment who lives in my house right now is it's, it's, a three ring circus most of the time. So there's my husband and I have two children living at home right now. I've got a 17 year old and then I have a 15 year old and our eldest, she's off at university and she went away. So she's actually in Ontario studying at the University of Guelph, which is just outside of the Toronto area. And so she's not, uh, she was back at Christmas and kicked me out of my office, which is her bedroom. Yeah. And uh, she's not <laughs> coming back now for a while because she's doing co-op and going to work there for the summer so she's kind of like fluid a fluid visitor and then we've got a whippet that we brought over with us we moved here from ireland overseas and we have two cats el chapo guzman and tunsis uh the driving cat yes tunsis the driving cat okay yeah, and then we've got uh, we have um, an eyelash crested gecko and a bearded dragon. Not that I own them; they're my sons. So, well, that is a lot of living things in your house. All right, let's get you talking about <laughs> why we're having you on. We have met through Teresa. We have the lovely, wonderful Teresa Thorne, and we have done so because. You had a book that came out recently, and it is called The Pink Balloon, which is a children's book, but also sort of, I see it more as a nice guide for people with children or about to have children. So I would like to start with that question that is such a trivial question, because you know, why did you write the book? I don't know, because I had things <laughs> to say, but I, I do want to know what led to the book and a little bit about who you felt it would be for when you started writing it and maybe who it's wound up being for. That's a big loaded question. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you for that. We'll start easy here, right? Just dive right in. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, well, the pink balloon, it's a story about gender identity and shining as your true self. And you're right. It was kind of written as one part to be kind of um, a guideline or to offer some guidance for families around understanding gender identity. And, but it actually, so I'm, I'm the mother of a transgender child and they transitioned in elementary school. And so in 
that their own time when when they when they first came to us and had given they'd been given the language basically to be able to describe these right. feelings that they'd been grappling with for for years language that you know we often don't share in elementary school from quite early on and so I wanted a book to be out there in the world that would help other children not be erased all through their elementary school career because essentially they had been grappling with these feelings. But in turn, because there was no visibility, there was no language, you start to compartmentalize it like there's something wrong with me. I don't fit. Why is there nobody else out there like me? And I I just... I really wanted to try to find a way to break down that stigma. And so the pink balloon itself actually is, it's inspired by a true story. And the true story is linked to the co-author Brianna Simons. And so, and it's a beautiful story. And so I knew I wanted to tell a story. I knew I wanted to write a story, but I, I didn't want it to be, our story wasn't as positive when it happened. There was a lot of really bad stuff that kind of, you know, just ensued. And it came from lack of understanding, school policies written on paper that yeah. weren't worth the paper they're written on. And, you know, a lot of fear from administrators, fear from parents of children, all of that kind of stuff. And so I didn't want to tell that story. I wanted to show a happy story of what it shows like when you have, when you give space to a child to show you who they are in the world. And right. as parents, what happens when you listen and how everybody can thrive. And so... Brianna and I, uh, we actually met at a parent support group for uh, children, parents and caregivers of trans and gender expansive children, became fast friends. And um, she lived sort of South Shore, Nova Scotia. I'm up in Halifax and we were running the support group up in Halifax. But she, through her own private practice, also was connected with parents of young kids, too, that were looking for support mm. for their trans children and just trying to navigate this murky water and resources were really hard to find up here um, in Nova Scotia. I think they, well, they still are for a lot of parents. So we connected and um, decided to start up another group on the South Shore to help reach parents down there back in the day where we could meet in person. Now, it doesn't matter where you are, right? Right. Um, you can do it virtually. And we um, we were doing a working weekend one day, and she shared this story with me about her own experience around her pregnancy and the excitement and how it kind of led in whatever way to a gender reveal party, sort of under, unintentionally. Right. And when she told to me, I'm like, that that's the story. That is what needs to be written. Can I... <laughs> can you trust me to write this story and she was like absolutely and so we kind of we kind of went from there you know it ended up being really out there for who we intended it to be for and really that's everyone but we yeah. wanted it with fa for families with young children we wanted it for educators to be able to use as a resource tool I, I think it has really shaped up to be that way because when you take the trans piece out of it, which tends to be the scary word for parents, like, oh, right. you know, why are you talking about transgender with a six-year-old? They don't understand that. Well, then we say, well, you know, we're celebrating gender identity. And guess what? Everybody has one, not just trans and non-binary people. We all have a gender identity. Yeah. So stop narrowing the conversation. So, so really it is, it's a book for everyone. Yeah. I think that's the power of language and giving people mm -hmm language is so helpful and it I think that part of that like fear that's out there and part of the 
what can sometimes get in the way of beginning the conversations is this is not clearly understanding what your gender identity is versus your uh, sexual identity. Your you know like there are I yeah I constantly am asking Raiden like all right break it down for me again I need. To- but there is, there's how you present. There's, you know, how you feel. Yeah, and that, right, like, and it's, and, and that's so helpful to know that it has usually very little to do with whatever weird thing I've conjured up in my head. <laughs> no, you know what? You're you're so right because like gender, it's confusing. It can yeah, be. It's it like I think of. Uh, I think of Janet Mock's book, Redefining Realness, and like how the whole point of that book is how much of our true selves do we actually show to the world? And I think about how kids know their gender identity, sometimes as early as age two, or, you know, from the time they can start expressing or showing their gender to the world. And, but at the same time, we're inundated with all these messages, these binary messages around us and that pressure to conform starts to narrow the ability to truly express yourself. And sometimes by the end of elementary school, that power of conformity has kind of really, really narrowed so many children's ability to to safely and confidently share who they are. Sometimes I'm just like amazed, like after sort of our little journey, aka even before my kids expressed, you know, their own exploration when I was, you know, with Teresa, as Teresa was starting this journey with Grace, and my youngest at the time was, I guess he's probably like two or three, and we were getting, you know, clothes at a store, and they were like, you know, I can I have this skirt? And it was this moment of, I have can't think of a valid reason why I would say no. Like, there's no reason mm-hmm. for me to, like, say, no, you can't. Like, I couldn't make up, a, a, like, a reason that made sense for me to say, right? And because of that experience and all the experiences I've had since then, I am sometimes just fascinated <laughs> when I do see, when I see restrictions placed on anybody anywhere, anytime now. Like, it's, like, really hard to say, wow, in this country, just how we set up our you know, language, that there are only these two pronouns, for example, that we were taught for so long and how much that has limited us in so many ways we interact with the world around us. It's sort of like you, you, the more you learn, the more you get to the other side of it and you're like, oh, I feel like we've been wasting our time. I know. And it's amazing how relaxed you can become, right? Like as yeah. a parent, like I was raised in a really strict yeah. kind of religious, conservative kind of background. You you know, I remember my grandfather at the cottage saying, oh, speak when you're spoken to, yeah. all of that stuff at the table. And I realized that, you know, now actually knowing that I actually have ADHD, uh, like there was no way I could wait to speak when I'm spoken to. Like right. this was never going to happen for me <laughs> as a child. But, you know, and so I began probably like, trying to break that down. I'm not going to be like my parents when I raise my kids, but then somehow those morals and values, they kind of creep in. You don't really know why they're there, but you're like, this is what's expected from us in society. This is what society expects of us. And then for me, I think when my child came to me, 
Um, well, firstly, I didn't know a thing about gender identity. I thought, okay, Priscilla, queen of the desert, drag right. queen. I thought, <laughs> like, I, I totally Victoria like, Victoria. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, so you want clothing? I'm like, maybe, right. you know, you're just right. a tomboy. Annie Hall, like, like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, mom, get with the program. Know. Like, oh, you're, you know, and so then I got, oh shit, I've been duped. I've yeah. been duped. Like I've been told oh, yeah. and fed a lie my entire life. And I, it's affected my parenting. And yeah. so, you know, shame on society. And then, like, how did I not notice? You're going to go through all those things You as get a to go through all that. Yeah. That's- and then you just relax, though. Yes. You're like, I love my kid. I'm going to get behind them. I was lucky enough to kind of be able to go, this isn't about me. And so then you kind of, like, afterwards, it's kind of crazy the conversations you can have in your household. Like, yeah. you know, for some kids, they might want an STP. They might want, you know, something like that. So we're like, okay, do you want a penis? All right, let's, what do you want for Christmas? You know, our lists are different in our house. We're talking about crazy things and we're laughing about it. And, you know, and you kind of think, wow, how far we've come. Well, <laughs> um, I thought, well, I know that's, that's true, not just within our own homes, but societally, you know, I feel like just in the last 10 years, the having books, out there now geared towards children and families and having this language evolve and be available to us and more importantly to kids to allow them space and Mm -hmm. to kids to like explore and try out these different things and it gives like I think the place that Stefan and I got to was oh we don't really have to say or do anything except tell our children that we love them and give them space yeah. to try all the stuff they want to try and figure it out, right? Like it's going to, yeah. some things will stick because they will find that that is a really good fit. Other things might evolve, but turns out they're, uh, they're actually capable of doing that, which is maybe scarier than some of the language around it. So you also have the podcast, and you you started this whole organization. I feel like we actually have to kind of shift to the organization first. Sure. The Simply Good Form, Inc. This is a group of consultants. You guys go in and help businesses and I assume schools as well. Yeah, yeah. Sort of do these audits. We have also had a group come in <laughs> to take a look <laughs> at inclusion and inclusive practices at the school. One of the things that's actually come out is we're about, they're they're working with the LGBTQ community at our school in taking the first steps towards really clearing up the language in our handbook and uh, like sports, (laughs) things like that. Like, you know, this is the boys team. And, Mm. you know, because Mm. we were such a school that was so like, loose with it anyway and like very responsive when kids say you know these are my pronouns and this is my name and all of that but then there was this gaping it was almost like I can't believe we hadn't fixed that (laughs) so this is the work that you guys did so can you actually I found this fascinating that there were groups doing this so tell tell us about what the work is that you guys do 
Sure. So um, we we do exactly what you said around the audits, but then we also do workshops. So we've got um, like a Beyond Binary Level 1 and then a Beyond Binary Level 2 workshop. We do them in elementary schools. And then we also work with public and private sector uh, businesses and organizations. And within the schools, what I guess we really wanted to do was traditionally here, based on the curriculum, is they don't really introduce concepts around gender identity until like grade five, grade six. And mm-hmm. at that point, it's lumped into sexual orientation. Right. It's lump, lumped into, you know, puberty and all of that. And so it becomes really confusing and really actually ends up cementing any kind of stigma that might already be evolving. Um, and it creates disastrous junior high experiences for kids that are identifying diversely. And so we wanted to connect with teachers and start and administrators and and get this the programs into the early elementary school level where they're learning how to use more inclusive language there and not just around Pride Month in June or right, Trans Day of Visitability, but like even your math examples, your equations, like celebrating LGBTQ athletes, you know, in health class, like there's ways that you could be, you know, interweaving these concepts all the time and breaking down the binary. And so Simply Good Form, it kind of, it actually evolved out of a blog because I wanted to, it's called the Invisible Parents Club, which maybe you could uh, relate to a little bit because in the beginning, I just was struggling just to find other parents with young transgender children. Young kids, yeah. Yeah. And then I realized, wow, it's like this hidden underground society that, you know, if like, because of safety, fear, perhaps your dynamic of where you are, like for whatever reason. And and I'm, I have a journalism background. And so I'm really good about finding accurate information because we all know there's so much misinformation out there around trans people. <laughs> yes. And so I wanted to share that information. I wanted a place to share it, but also to share navigation. So like, what do you need to do? Like, what are your first steps? Or what does transitioning mean? That kind of thing. So yeah. I created that hub and then it evolved out of there from I was being asked to do educational talks and keynote speaks speaking. And then I recognized, though, I can't do this myself. I'm a pink elephant in the room. I'm a cis white woman. And, you know, I can help support allyship, but I can't take voices away from. And so Simply Good Form, I'm the only cis person there and everyone that we contract is trans or non-binary and our purpose is to help elevate the voices of the trans community but also to create that inclusive space because eventually my kiddo our kids they're going to be you know your your client or your employee or maybe your boss and it's important that these spaces start to catch up and and change and my gosh um yeah true it's funny yeah it's it is interesting how my radar and my like awareness during school meetings, during class, you know, during work things, you know, really shifts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. I think it's because one day it's going to be my kids who are in those spaces, right? And what will those mm-hmm. spaces look like? Oh, so good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Okay. So. You've got the podcast. You do the podcast with your co-host, Isaac, who I know is also with Simply Good Form. And he's trans, correct? 
They are. Yeah. Isaac's yeah. a trans, uh, trans non-binary professional and educator. Yeah. They contract with us and they were the first person actually to connect with me. Cause I also do volunteer work through PFLAG and, you know, we have PFLAG in the States there too. And Isaac came on with me as a volunteer and then we quickly, you know, that's where we just thought we need to kind of evolve this. And yeah. so COVID hit and we moved all of our workshops that were in person online. So we have like that on demand, but also live virtual. And then in the next lockdown, we were like, like, how can we continue? What can we do? And I said, like, why don't we podcast? We've got a lot to stay and we're all about stories and storytelling and connecting with people. And so it's kind of, it's become a voluntary arm of what we do. We're hoping that eventually we'll get some sponsorships to help us be able to like, you know, really, really elevate it and, and get it out there more. But it's been, a, it's been fantastic. It's been a really fun journey. And I've met so many amazing people, um, trans people across Canada doing awesome things and people advocating for trans people. So I, yeah, so it, it is, it's a, it's a beyond binary conversation. And I like to say in, in being a better human, because it's just, yeah. we want to just break down, ask those hard questions that maybe you're fearful of cis people, like those who their gender identity aligns with their sex as a sign at birth. Often they're just afraid of making a mistake and nobody wants to mess up. Nobody wants to feel that embarrassment. Oh, we and love messing so we up just want to get show. you past that. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> we I can laugh at myself. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It's like, that's okay. But you know, it's, if it's causing you a barrier from ever interacting or ever trying to have a conversation with somebody, you know, it's like if somebody tells you they've got cancer and then you don't know what to say and you right. just think, oh, I want to call them, but I don't want to overstep. And then you don't call them and they're just left kind of going, I really wish my friend had reached out. And it's kind of like, can we just get past all the discomfort? And- oh my gosh, go to last week's show. We had a wonderful guest on last week talking to us about ADHD. And I like, heard. Yeah. And, and she, yeah. at the end, she was like, this is what you say. And I was like, oh my God, that applies to everything. Right. Where it's like, you know, I've got cancer. My child has ADHD. My, you know, my child's non-binary, my child, whatever. And you just be like, hey, tell me more. Tell me more. That was what it was all about was the tell me more. And I think that's so relevant, well, to pretty much everything. All right. So here is a question that I think sort of is housed in the journey of allyship. Okay. But you write the book, you are doing the podcast, you're asking hard questions, you're going out, you're leading things. And I guess I using the book as an example, mm. when you started it to when you finished it, was there a journey within that? Did you start it and then maybe you had another experience based on this mm. other work that you're doing and then you had to go back and revisit? Like, were there moments well, like that where you're like, this is the language where you, oh no, maybe this isn't the language anymore, right? Like... <laughs> I'm trying to think if I'm going to answer this the way you're asking it. Well, but the, the answer can I, also be no, biz. <laughs> well, so but just going like from the beginning of the journey. So what's really interesting is I knew I wanted to write a, I knew I wanted to write a book, a children's book from when the kids were younger. And I think, so what happened when my child transitioned and I found myself going into the school a lot, just saying, this was so when they transitioned, it was the end of the school year. Mm. And I was asking, so what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. And my child had said, well, you know, these are my pronouns and this is my name. And so the guidance counselor had said, okay, so you we're just going to 
tell the class that and and that's it. And this was June and um, the teacher or the administrator at the time sort of had a different idea and was like, well, no, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take some kids, we're going to ask their parents for permission and take them aside. It was just this really bizarre, scary. And I thought, you read a book to my kid that said, we exist in the world. I, yeah. And then you're not, you know. So um, <laughs> my child actually ended up negating it and just said, screw that. I'm going yeah. in the next day. And he just told everybody. It was just <laughs> like, this is it. And it was it was great. But then school ended and September came. And I was so nervous as a parent, you know, and like yeah. just like what what's going to happen. So I was emailing the school and, and talking and saying, okay, like what work are we going to do around this? Like, I'm happy to even send an email to the parents of the kids in his class saying, you know, this is what this means and this is who they are and this is, you know, like how you can talk to your kids about it or will you do anyway. And I experienced a lot of gaslighting, a lot of gaslighting. Nothing happened. It was radio silence. The year went really badly where, you know, the boys wouldn't play with them because you're not a real boy. The girls are like, well, you're a boy. We're not going to play with you. You know, it's grade six. They're 12 years old, 11 years old. Yeah. And it was awful. And it had a lot of really bad repercussions that you hear those statistics that happen around, you know, trans kids and normally older, but they had all happened to him before he was 12, like even experiencing like a physical assault and things like that. Only really out of confusion from some of the kids because they weren't having these conversations. And I found I was being gaslit so much. So that's where I I thought, okay, I'm going to start a chapter of PFLAG here in Halifax. We don't have one. And if I do that and I'm I'm helping the community, people might listen as well if we want to talk about gender identity. I kind of created my voice, I think, or my platform to have a voice because then it evolved into the workshops and yeah. I, I took several courses in gender studies and certificates and I got WPASS certified and I wanted just to basically give myself the credentials that nobody could gaslight me as as a overprotected mom. Because right. I hate that. It's like, oh, you're just a mom and you're overworried. Well, they'll work it out. They're just kids. Like, no, that is I'm sorry. Motherhood, they name is gaslighting <laughs> about everything. You're right? not really yeah. tired. You're not. Oh, are you tired after giving birth? No, you're not. Yeah. Like, oh, are you depressed? No, you're not. Oh, are you? Yeah. <laughs> are you overprotective? No, you're not. In fact, we're going to come yeah. up with a weird name. Yeah. You're you just a need to be more this. organized. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're. This, you're a free range. You're a blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah. No, or you're just yeah. a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I just, I wanted to, I guess, get myself in a position where, you know, people would actually stop, start and listen, because I never wanted to shame anybody either. I recognize that you could be me. You might have a child that is transgender and you have no idea. So, you know, the sooner you do know, the better you can help them to shine and to feel great about themselves. And, and, uh, and we can do that in positive ways. And so, um, Yeah, so that's kind of where it all came. And then the book really was just another way to Mm -hmm. tell a really positive story, but also to kind of work our way into the classrooms. So we created, I created lesson plans. I created, because often I found teachers were just uncomfortable and then they were also feeling afraid of the parent pushback that they were getting. So we'd have these reading events. It actually started with a reading event where we were celebrating It Feels Good to Be Yourself, oh, Teresa right. Thorne's book, Renoa <laughs> Greeny, and Jazz. And then there was another another book that we did. And I so I created that event. And I found some parents would hold their kids back and say, oh, I'm not sending them in. And, and teachers didn't really know how to handle it. Or teachers were saying, okay, thank you for the lesson plans, because we would 
show them exactly like, here's an art, a craft, here's to answer, how's to answer tough questions. Here's what you do. I'm giving it all to you. And I'll even come in and read the book and answer them for you. So we did these great events as a way then to help empower teachers to get more comfortable around it too. And and it's always that aha moment. And once you know it, you can't unknow it, yep, right? Yep. Like you don't know what you know until you know it, and then it's not—it's not, not going to go away. So, yeah, no, thank um, God, it's not going to go away. That right? Is yeah. Good news. Yeah, like, yeah. And I think it's important to like point out what is so helpful about the work that you're doing is just as much as we deserve to give our kids uh, space to you know, explore and to figure this out, just to give them the space to be them. We also need to give each other and ourselves the space to navigate this, to learn the language, to to have those aha moments. You know, no one yeah. walks into this knowing all the information or how they're going to react or how they're going to feel or what might wind up being upsetting versus something else and Mm -hmm. you know to give ourselves and each other that Mm -hmm. because your aha moment can lead to someone else's aha moment and then down the aha rabbit hole which is just fantastic all right last question Mm -hmm. okay how can we (laughs) best support each other and new maybe parents whose children have just come out to them? How can we support? How can we how can we show that support? What are the best ways to support fellow parents in this situation? Because I know when it comes to kids, it's tell your children you love them and then shut up. (laughs) That's not true. There's more to it than that. But to help support each other. Mm. Well, I mean, I do think story time is so great and sharing stories with with lots of, you know, celebrating diversity in lots of different ways with with your kids is so important. But even before that, I think as for new parents who are so excited about bringing a child into the world and and, you know, you have all these you can't help but I guess, you know, have all these ideas of who they might be in the world and and that. But just to maybe pull push pull back a little bit and give that space to recognize that your child has so much to show you about who they are. And that's okay. You know, it's okay. And by giving space, you're only going to let them shine more that we don't have all the answers, you know, but it's, the journey is so unique. And I think, you know, this whole binary narrative that we've put upon ourselves in, in society, it, it's just been so restrictive and confining for youth and for parents and all of that, that um, sometimes we forget little pieces about ourselves because they've kind of been pushed out of us. We can't behave this way. We can't say that. I go down yeah. those little thoughts all the time of mm-hmm. like, huh, mm-hmm. you know, like, where was I? What was I called? What was, you know, what made me feel strongest when I was walking through the world? What mm-hmm. did I experiment with to try and feel strong when it came to how I presented in the world? And yeah, but without any of the language, you know, and it's very, right. interest- it's very interesting. And I, I you know, I think I really like that thought of when you reflexive. Said, well, it was, yes, but when you said we step back and give space, space. to your kids, mm-hmm. I thought, well, that goes against like every parenting book I've ever <laughs> <No>. read, ever. 
<laughs> They're going to make a mistake. <gasps> yeah. Everything is a mistake. Everybody's watching. Oh, jeez. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. And, you know, and it's scary, though. It is it scary is. because language is... You know, it's people will say, oh, it's hard. I can't use they, them pronouns. I can't get it right. And, you know, I laugh because back in late 70s, early 80s, everyone said, you know, Ms. will never catch on. Oh, my God. It's Mr. and it's Mrs. And that is it. I will not use it. Ms. Magazine, 100%. (laughs) I was Ms. all the time. I was in that camp, too. Yeah. I got to tell you, what's great about books like The Pink Balloon as well as Teresa's book and all of these others is it's not just parents you get I like my mom really wants to get the language right around Mm -hmm. my kids and you know they them to that generation is so ingrained just from a grammatical standpoint right that you know she came to me the other day and she said I'm really struggling with using they them because I and I know this can't be right but is there more than one person inside of them and I was like no, no. it's not Sybil we're not yeah. like a split personality it is just that's really it I know we all know that you're not talking about multiple people and it's okay forgive you yeah. let yourself let that go <laughs> Yeah, no, and it's, can I, do I have time for one quick story? Yes, yes. So it was interesting because I'm part of a book club and we were, we were texting away um, about when we were going to be meeting up next. And um, I happened to say, oh, I think if they, I think if, you know, I said their name chooses the book, then we'll be doing it at their house. So they're going to be the host. Yeah. And next thing I know, I get a text back from one of the moms who's like, you called them they. Yeah. You said they. Should I be using that too? Do I need to be doing that? And I stepped back from it and I'm like, yeah. you know what? I didn't even think about it. No. I said, I guess I do it so often. I was so proud of myself that yeah. at that point, I just use it because in my workspace, I'm using it more often. I don't make those assumptions around gender. Exactly. Identity. But I was like, yes. I'm like, oh, honey, I didn't even think about it. You can do it if you want to. But like, <laughs> it's, you know, go, go with your comfort space and, and whatnot. But in this situation... That she was definitely a she, you know, yeah. and there was no, they, they, they're not they, but we all, the ironic thing is we're all they, them as well. I'm she, her, and I'm they, them, depending yeah. on the the context of the sentence. And exactly. they, them has always been a singular or a, pure, or a plural pronoun. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's just, I, I just, mm. I love, I love that kind of story. I love my mom overthinking it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is where I'm happy. I'm happy that your friend could ask you. And yes. I'm happy my mom could ask me. And like, that's we, it. I, yeah. I, I want the questions. And, you know, not that we'll always have all the answers, but like, mm-hmm. questions lead to learning. So it, yay. it's a beautiful thing to be curious, isn't it? Oh, I beautiful love thing. being curious. Isn't yeah. it wonderful? Poke that hornet's nest. Oh, <laughs> there might be a, there might be candy inside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that advice for parents, but <laughs> this is not a parenting advice show. All right, Cynthia, thank you not only for joining us today, but thank you for the work and the commitment you have put in to helping, you know, all of us find a way to become even more mindful of inclusivity, as well as helping all of us learn how to make our spaces and places more inclusive and just, you know, and where we're stepping in it. (laughs) 
I think that's always no. so good. So thank you so much. We're going to link everybody up to where you all know where to buy books, but we're going to link <laughs> you up to also more information on Simply Good Form as well as Hey Sis, the podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time and you celebrating my little book. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you for writing it. Don't forget, everybody, you want to get three copies, one for you, one for your school library, and one for your regular library. All right. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by KiwiCo. It's a new year, and a new year is always a great time to discover new things about ourselves and our interests. And with the KiwiCo subscription, your child can make new discoveries all year long. I love KiwiCo. And there are kits for kids of all ages. Hello, wink, wink, even at the age of 48. So we have had so many Kiwi Co. boxes come through this house. One of my favorites that I did with Ellis, or really Ellis did with me, was this perpetual motion machine that he built. That still sits proudly on his bedside table. You can redefine learning with play and get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code BADMOTHER at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com promo code badmother. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week as well as our failures and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Genius, Mimi. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. I will. My birthday was last week. It was on a Thursday. And I was a genius because, one, I ordered lunches. For my children. So I did not have to wake up and make lunches or listen to anybody whine about lunches. And then two, I have finally, it was like the first day of an after school class for both of them. And it turned out they could both be there on the same day. So I like, on my, birth <laughs> on my birthday, I got to wake up, enjoy breakfast and presents. And then I didn't have to worry about taking them to school or fixing their lunch. And then I didn't have to worry about picking them up until 4.30. And let me tell you what I did. I lay on that couch like I was 20 and in between jobs. And I watched almost an entire season of Doom Patrol because Stefan got me HBO for one year for my birthday. And I watched so much Doom Patrol and it was fucking good. And I had a lovely time. Genius! 
Hi, I am calling with a genius because I just have to brag about myself for like two seconds because nobody cares. And my husband just kind of looked at me like, okay, great, like good job. So for Christmas this year, for my two-year-old, I decided that I'm going to go to the thrift store and I found one big flipping bag of plastic animals. And I bought that for $3, and I wrapped each one individually to stuff her stocking with. So Christmas morning, Santa has brought a huge amount of little animals for her to play with, and she'll have lots of time unwrapping each individual one, and we saved a shit ton of money, and I'm genius. So thank you for the show. Love you guys, and I'm sure I will be calling you again with my either fails or whatever. You guys are great. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. You are doing an amazing job. We probably should have a category of whatevers. (laughs) This is genius. Big reminder, shout out to thrift stores. This is a great place. Does your kid like buying stuff and just feel like they need to buy stuff all the time? Take them to a thrift store. That is genius. And finding an entire bag of plastic animal toys, especially for like the three and under set. They don't care about packaging and like whatever. Okay, massive money-saving stocking stuffer, genius. Wrapping each one individually, genius. And let's just carry this on into our normal life, guys. At any point in time, we can go to the thrift store, find something like this, wrap things individually, because unwrapping things is fun for small children and a time filler. You are doing a great job. Failures. You suck. Okay. Because when it rains, it pours. Uh, Last week, well, even though I was celebrating my birthday, somewhere between birthday celebrations and all of my cats having issues, Raiden had to have four adult teeth pulled to make room for the rest of their teeth and the braces. So we had to go to a special place and have them you know, pulled, and we let Raiden go into, you know, twilight sleep so that they could not feel anything. Whatever. That's not the point. The point of this is the night before we were going in, I said to myself, I know that parking lot is cash only. I'm going to put some cash in my purse. And I know that I am paying for this out of a special account. So I need to get a special account checkbook and put that, like the one that I, like, I use maybe once every five years. <laughs> so I think this is what I need to do. I should do it, get out of bed, and I should do it now. And then I was like, no, I'm not going to get out of bed and do it now because I'm thinking about it clearly, and I'm going to remember to do it in the morning. And that morning, I did pull the checkbook. I did pull the cash. And then I went to take Raiden to get their teeth pulled, speaking of pulling. And that's when I realized that I left that cash and I left that checkbook like next to my purse. I didn't put it like in the purse because like somewhere between getting it to put it in the purse and leave, I had to put it down to go find something else that I needed to take with us. Like, I don't know, I maybe reading. And yeah, so I got there and I had to like do a whole, they were like, the procedure won't start till all of this is taken care of. (laughs) So like, it was a lot of jumbling. Thank you for online banking. I really appreciate that. That wasn't easy. Thank you for overly priced ATMs located in the building. That was nice too. But I just fucked that up. I just made that more stressful than it needed to be. And it was already stressful, guys. 
So there you go. I'm I'm winning. Winning. Uh, hi. No, please keep it. What is this? Let's not play with that, okay? Okay. I'm calling it the sale. I, uh, it, okay. My, my kids, almost two, almost four, they were fighting over a toy. So I put that toy in my bedroom and I locked the door with a skeleton key. And then I proceeded to lose the skeleton key. So now I can't get into my room. Um, <laughs> and not only that, but I was trying to pick the lock with Alan Wrench as YouTube tells me that I can do, although I cannot. And I got the wrench somehow stuck in the lock. So now I don't even know if I'll be able to get the door open once I get the skeleton key, which my spouse is going to buy right now. So I think I'm going to have to climb out of a window, my kid's window, go on the roof, go over and try and unlock the door from the inside of our room or somehow break the wrench that's in the lock. I don't know, but I'm locked out of my room. Um, so, yeah. And it's uh, it's bath time. It's, it's the kids' bedtime, so we're winding down, and uh, this is so funny. So, very relaxing evening here, and I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight. Um, that's all. That's my fail. You guys are doing a great job. Me? questionable thanks for the show oh yeah this is a great fail you're doing so awful <laughs> yeah! you locked yourself out of your room <laughs> that'll show those kids not to fight over that toy i'm very sorry that you did this i felt like i was walking through it with you and yeah don't ever share that with like anybody because they'll all know. They'll all, they'll all judge you. And uh, yeah, like I said, you're doing a horrible job punishing your children by taking their toy away and locking yourself out of your sanctuary. Oh, well. <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. I'm John Moe. My show, Depression Mode, is all about mental health. And this week, I talk with Amanda Knox. She spent four years in an Italian prison for a murder she didn't commit. That's a lot of trauma, and she's okay talking about it. If I touch on something that you'd rather not get into, just say so. We'll cut the whole exchange out. But it also seems like you're pretty open, open about a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am having trouble imagining anything that you could talk to me about <laughs> I that know, I... I know. What are we going to throw Amanda Knox with? <laughs> Depression Mode with John Moe. Only on Maximum Fun. For over a decade, MaxFunCon has been an incredible weekend of learning, connecting, and laughing with folks in the MaxFun community. And, if all goes according to plan, the last regularly scheduled MaxFunCon will take place in Lake Arrowhead from June 3rd to June 5th, 2022. We have a very limited number of tickets remaining. To make them available to the maximum number of people, 
we'll be opening our waitlist for tickets on January 23rd at 5 p.m. Pacific. That'll be your chance to be first in line to purchase tickets, and we'll go down the waitlist until we're at capacity. More details at maxfuncon.com. And mark your calendars for Sunday, January 23rd at 5 p.m. Pacific. All right. It's time, that special time, in which we listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, this is a rant. I've actually called before about my child's multiple sicknesses since starting preschool a few months ago. But I'm back with another rant, which is how isolating it is to be trying to have your kids safely go to preschool and he still gets sick and then you try to do the right thing. We don't have any family nearby and so my mom keeps trying to come visit us and we are always sick and then she cancels her trip because that's the right thing to do in a pandemic. And we were going to quarantine the kids before her visit this weekend. And the kids are still sick. And so we took the baby in, and they did a flu test, and he has the flu. And so we're going to cancel her trip again. And I know that the theme of this pandemic has just been isolation, and that's just what it's been, and this is not new. But it's felt like there was supposed to be some hope, I think, some semblance of normalcy, like my mom's COVID vaccinated and we're COVID vaccinated and and it feels like we should be able to be less cautious. I don't know. And clearly we can't and that's not logical and it's, it is what it is. But I'm really disappointed and I would really like to see my mom and I would really like my kids to not be sick anymore. That's up. That's my rant. Thanks for the hotline. You guys are doing a good job. Bye. So are you. You're doing a really good job. And that was a great rant. That was wonderful. You're right. I, Yeah, the theme of the pandemic has been isolation. But I, I think uh, an even bigger theme is disappointment. Because that... That's exactly what that was. It is disappointing to make plans. I mean, we went through the beginning of this pandemic with things being canceled and then school being canceled and then work. And like, I mean, that was a lot of disappointment. Uh, And then we all kind of were thinking, this won't take very long. And then that was disappointing (laughs) that it was still going. And now when we have put things into practice that can make life a little more normal when even those things can't prevent the disappointment or or can't prevent things from falling through. Yeah, that really sucks. It is a punch in the gut. And you are doing that. It sucks doing the right thing. All right, let's just all sit in it. Yay, we did the right thing. Yay. And now we get to pay for that. Like, I get it. Who wants to do the right thing? You do. We all do. But it comes sometimes at this cost. And I I just want you to know that I really see you. I, I think 
This is that other thing about the pandemic. Kids get sick all the fucking time before the pandemic, especially at the age that your kids are in. You know, I mean, Teresa, years of her kids, just everybody, the year they went into preschool, everyone was sick all the time. And then she had another kid, that kid, sick all the time. And then finally, Curtis, that sick all the time, okay? And that is part of the preschool experience. But with COVID, it suddenly makes that so much more stressful, right? Like if your kid had a cold, your mom would still have come, right? <laughs> right? Unless there were medical issues or concerns that your mom might have had. But now everything is a risk of COVID and the flu. And it's, it just sucks. I'm really sorry. And I, I wish there was some way we could figure it out for all of those who have kids under five. I, I said this at the beginning of the show, too. This just really sucks. And I'm really sorry. And I see you. And you are not alone, despite how isolating it can feel. And it sounds like you've got a really great family who is respecting all of these restrictions. And I think that that's really great. And I see your mom as well having to cancel. I know that she's probably incredibly disappointed too. And you're just doing like a remarkable job, like above and beyond a remarkable job. Yeah, that's it. Everybody, that's it. And that's enough. That's enough. I'm done. How about you guys? I'm done. I've had enough. No more for me, thanks. I'm driving. <laughs> it is disappointing. Things are disappointing. After a year of disappointment after a year prior to that of disappointment. And we're all still parenting. We all still have kids in our house. We all are still working and it's all work, no matter what it is that you do all day. It's fucking work. And we all are carrying a lot because it's never just one thing. I, like I feel like sometimes Society, TV, magazines, catalogs, all of it makes it look like it's just one thing. And it's so many things. Like, I, maybe they just can't cram all those things into a 30-minute sitcom. That could be it. But we all know it's many things. And it's a big fucking surprise that it is. I'm still surprised, everybody. I'm still surprised by how tired I can get how I can get excited about something and then it like crashes, how I think we're in the clear. We're in the clear. Everybody's doing so well in this house. <laughs> then they don't. Ah! So let's just continue to extend ourselves some grace and forgiveness and patience and let us do that with each other we don't have to be the horrible shit show that the news tells us we are, <laughs> okay? 
We get to go out and be kind and listen and generous with each other and even just see each other. You're all doing an incredible job. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, fussing by, not low down mama blue. Oh, said daddy, baby, fussing by, not low down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.